Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about joy today. I love the first line of that trailer. It's, uh, he, he, she says, I like your costume. He says, oh no, it's not a costume. This is who I am. I think joy should not be a costume. I, I think I think I think if you if if you, if you if you feel like you have to put on joy and turn on joy, then it's not real joy. That might be happiness, but that's not joy. And I, I would like to look at two at one scene, two different people. It kind of alluded to it in the trailer this morning, but I, I want to look at what it means to live a life full of joy. Here's why: because I, I know that God. When he sent his son, Jesus, God experienced joy. Here's how I know that. Mark 1, verse 9 through 11, it says, One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart, the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove, and the voice from heaven saying, You are my dearly loved son. And this is what God says about Jesus. And you bring me great, great What has Jesus done to bring God great joy at this point? Not one publicly recorded miracle. Not feeding of the 5,000. He hasn't died on the cross yet. He hasn't been risen again. Yet because he was simply his son, it brought him great joy. Do you want to bring God joy today? You don't have to try very hard. All you need to be is a son or daughter of God because he will look down on you and your love for him and say, you are my son who brings me great joy. Are you ready to be joyful in the house? Are you ready to bring God joy? You don't even have to try hard to bring God great joy. All you need to do is to be his child today. You are my dearly loved son. Wait, he hasn't even turned water into wine yet. Nope. He hasn't even fed the 5,000. Nope. He hasn't even saved us of our sins through his atonement on the cross. Yet he still brought God great joy. Can I tell you right now, you might not have accomplished much this year. You might not have done much with your life up until this point. But God does not is not contingent on your performance or on what you've done in order to bring him great joy divorce yourself separate separate yourself from this need to perform for god to bring him joy and if you bring god joy just by being his child that same joy that it's brought to god can also be brought to your spirit today so let's watch a clip and then we'll preach the remainder of god's word Buddy, uh, not now. Uh, can you please go back to the uh, to the pit? I'll come and visit you in a little while, okay? I didn't know you had elves working here. Oh. Boy, you're you're hilarious, my friend. He doesn't. Uh, get get back to the story, please. Uh, <clears throat> so on the cover above the title. Does Santa know that you left the workshop? You know, we're all laughing our heads off. Did you have to borrow a reindeer to get down here, buddy? Go back to the base pay. I've got houses in LA, Paris, and Vail. Oh. Each one of them with a 70-inch plasma screen. So I suggest you wipe that stupid smile off your face before I come over there and smack it off. You feeling strong, my friend? Call me Elf. 
One more time. He's an angry elf. Look at you! Ow! Hey, what I wasn't ready for that. Call me Elf one more time. Call me Elf. You're an elf. He's an elf. Listen, Miles. Listen, Miles. He must be a South Pole elf. He must be a South Pole elf. What I love about this movie is Buddy does not know anything else other than joy. Literally takes everything as literal. And on the other end of the table, you have an angry elf. <laughs> And he says, call me Elf one more time. And he says, Elf. He's full of joy. How many of you have family members, not you, but on the other side of the table? The South Pole Elves. People who are constantly angry, who have no joy. And then some of you have family members on the other side. Their house could be burning down, but they're still full of joy. I want us to explore what it means to live a joyful life. The Bible is full of verses, as we're going to find out today, about joy. It says in Philippians 4.4, 4, uh, just a couple verses later from the one that I read earlier today, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. How many of you know that during this season it can be stressful? It can be full of a lot of joy killers, but it's our responsibility to rejoice, to reinsert joy into the lives of the much uh, of the many people who are angry elves in our lives, who are angry people who try to kill and steal our joy. What we need is an infusion of joy in this house. Sometimes you don't have to feel it in order to be joyful. Sometimes you don't have to. Uh, need everything to be going right, but you can still maintain joy. So I want to look at full at joy killers. I believe there's four of them today. If I get to all of them, I'm trying to preach quickly because we have a big giving moment at the end today. So if I get to all of them, praise God. But these are joy killers. They flat out kill your joy. These are things to watch out for because uh, if, if the devil can't can't try to, to steal all of your other things, he'll try to kill your joy. If he can't stop the blessing of God, he'll try to kill your joy. Uh, one thing that kills my joy is when my gas light turns on. I heard the sound today on the way to church. Ding! I look down at the dashboard, low fuel level. Oh, during these times, it could really kill your joy. Another joy killer is the Wi-Fi when it goes down. Try having three children, preteen years, teenagers, without Wi-Fi. It's hard. It's hard to be a parent without Wi-Fi. How did you do it? Please show me. How did you do it? You know? There are other things uh, that kill my joy. The carpool line will kill your joy. 
every single day on Destiny Drive here at our East Raleigh location. I see 300 plus families picking up their children. They don't offer bus services here at Doral Academy, the charter school that is on our property. And I look at all the people and their joy is being sucked out of them. <laughs> One of the th things that we're doing this Friday in order to infuse joy into that carpool line is we're taking some uh, gifts to them as they wait for their children to be picked up or dropped off in the morning and in the afternoon. And we're inviting them to Christmas at Focus, which is next Sunday. And so be sure to bring some joy to people this week on your way out today. Someone on our team will make sure that they're, all the Christmas invite cards are available to you so you can take them because they will be irrelevant after next Sunday. We'll throw them away. Next thing that kills my joy is when my phone battery is at 20%. <sighs> Nothing kills my joy better. That's really all, those things really don't kill my joy. They really kill my happiness. Did you know that there's a difference between happiness and joy? Happiness is based on happenings, what's happening around me. But joy is a choice. Turn to your neighbor and say, my joy is my job. See, happiness is based on what is happening, but joy is based on what has happened to me already on the inside. My joy is my job. If Christ has saved me, then he's placed joy inside of me, and I have access to that joy regardless of my circumstances. So when you, my friend, start to look at your life and audit the circumstances in your life, make sure that you're not trying to lean into happiness, which is based on happenings, but instead the joy that Christ has already put inside your heart. There's a deeper level of joy that could come. So what are the joy killers? The first one is anxiety. Anxiety will kill your joy. Believing that the worst is going to happen will kill your joy. Thinking about the worst possible scenario will kill your joy. It says in Luke 1, 11 through 14, part of the Christmas story about Zechariah. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing uh, to the right of the incense altar. It's important that you come to the altar because this is where the Lord will appear to you. Uh, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw them. But the angel said, don't be afraid. Zechariah, God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great Joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. See, the, the antidote for anxiety is for you to begin to believe that what God said, he will do it. And if even if Elizabeth is old and barren, she will have a child. So don't be fearful and overwhelmed with anxiety. Be joyful and glad for what God has said to you and about you will come to pass. There's nothing that kills joy quite like a dose of anxiety. It just takes the joy out of the room. It takes the joy out of your life. It takes the joy out of your spirit. And I came to declare over your anxious mind and anxious thoughts, gladness and peace and joy in Jesus' name. Philippians 4, again, back to Philippians 4 for the third time. Do not be anxious about some things. A couple of things that you see in the news. Do not be anxious about. Come on, you're anxious about something today. and You don't like this verse. Do not be anxious about. 
But in every situation, regardless of the situation, I love it because it doesn't say uh, some situations. It doesn't just talk to some people in the room. It's everyone, anything and every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. There are five things that we are usually anxious about. We're anxious about keeping our family safe, safe our health, paying our bills. We're anxious about uh, politics and interpersonal relationships. We are anxious about so much. But my Bible says, don't be anxious about anything. This is a word from the Lord for someone today who has been anxious about something this week. I have come to deliver you good news that should bring you great joy. Don't be anxious about anything. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith because you are trying to figure it all out. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety is what George Muller said. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. If you're anxious today, you're not believing God. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. Once you start believing God, watch your anxiety flee. It says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him for he cares for you. Mm. He, rem he is such a good God. We can release it today. We can cast it back to God. We can cast it back to God today. The next one is complaining. Nothing will kill your joy like complaining. Y'all don't like to hear this one because y'all like to complain. You like to leave one-star reviews. You never leave a five-star review, but you'll always leave a one-star review. This is for everyone who enjoys leaving a one-star review. That is killing your joy. It's killing your joy today. It's killing your joy. Nothing will kill your joy like anxiety, and nothing will kill your joy like complaining. When you complain, your body releases a stress hormone. All the extra cortisol released by frequent complaining, it, it impairs your immune system and makes you more susceptible to high cholesterol, diabetes, heart disease, and obesity. It even makes your brain more vulnerable to strokes. Complaining is not just killing your joy, it's killing you. Oh, you didn't like that. Because I just gave you the, the actual solution. Instead of medicating your symptoms, we got to the source of your health issues. You're complaining too much, and when you complain, it sucks the life out of your spirit, and you don't have any joy anymore. So when you walk into a situation that is less than ideal, you just have to say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say, rejoice. Us Christians get really good at replacing cuss words. When we would usually cuss, we say other things. You know what I'm talking about? You know, like homeschool people. They get really good at saying nerdy cuss words, you know, not dirty cuss words, nerdy cuss words. Yeah, you know, gosh darn it, you know, we all know what they meant, you know, we all know what you really meant to say, you know. I wasn't allowed to say any of those things growing up, so I began to, to create in myself my own Christian uh, cuss words, but they're not cuss words necessarily, they're like blessing words. And so anytime I get a bad situation comes to me, like last week, uh, the septic tank here at our East Raleigh location, God bless y'all. Uh, it was overflowing and the, the, it was a mess on a Sunday morning. The poor guy had to come out here. And, um, anyways, 
I just, when they called me and they said, hey, the septic tank is overflowing, we gotta fix it. It's gonna take fixing the electrical in there and the, it's, it's a big mess. It's a huge mess. I mean, it's a bad mess. I just said, praise God. <laughs> I've learned to say, praise God. Someone, I get into a fender bender, praise God. Uh, there's a leak in the offices almost always when it rains real hard back there in the back of the building. It almost always comes into the conference room. You're walking on water, you know, it was like, uh, praise God. I don't know what situation that you've come against today, but cussing is not the solution. Complaining is not the solution. Praising God during every situation with thanksgiving and praise is the solution. And so stop complaining and start praising and watch how your situation might not change, but your perspective will change. Praise might not fix your problem, but it will fix your perspective. Oh, I came to preach to someone today, leaving one-star reviews for their husband every single morning when he wakes up. Do not complain anymore. Just give God some praise that you have someone to wake up next to, that God gave you that husband. While there are so many people asking God for a husband, don't complain about the one you got. Man, I've met so many people. They are the complaint department in every area. It's too cold, pastor's too hot, pastor's too loud, pastor's too soft, pastor. It's like start to praise and watch your complaints dismantle and diminish and watch your joy begin to be strengthened again. Complaining is not just killing your joy, it is killing you. Philippians 4, 8, again, back to Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, <laughs> whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Ho, ho, ho. What should I be complaining about? Absolutely nothing. What should I be thinking about? Absolutely these things. Whatever is right, noble, true, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, anything and anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Man, you got to get your mind right out of the complaint department and into the praise department, into the worship department, into the give God glory no matter what is happening to me department, into I know I don't got much money right now, but I'm still going to give him praise. I don't got many friends right now, but he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I came to declare to someone today, stop complaining and start praising in Jesus' name. says in Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue, mm, the tongue, I wish if it was written in 2022, 2021, it would say the thumbs. Y'all yeah. <sighs> don't like that one. I didn't say it. I just typed it. No, the, the tongue and the thumb has the power of life and death. What you say and what you post has the power of life and death. You control the joy in your life. I refuse to be a complaint department. Are there a lot of things I could complain about? Absolutely, but I refuse to let outside circumstances ruin my internal joy. I'm preaching way better than this church is shouting today. I find that when I have a negative life, it's because I have negative speech. I find that I'm, I'm most negative with my words, and that's when I'm most negative with my life. I'm growing up. I'm learning not to complain as much. There were times in this church, man, where the stupidest things would make me go off the handle. 
And I'm just learning to praise God in all circumstances. I used to be so hard to work for. I still am a little hard to work for, but I used to be a nightmare to work for. They had a different name for me. Did you know this? I just found this out. When I didn't take a nap and when I didn't eat and I came in real heated about something that we didn't go right or whatever, they wouldn't call me Pastor Mike. They would, the rumors would go around the office. Who showed up to work wasn't the, my true self. It was a different guy. They would call me Miguel. I just found this out. And someone said, Miguel hasn't showed up in a long time. And I said, praise God, Miguel was a complainer. Miguel was negative speech. But I'm a new creation because I'm in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. Life changed through Christ. Miguel is gone. That and I just learned my lesson. You remember that, Pastor Ed? You're the one that told me about Miguel. They were mad when you told me. But now I know the glory of the Lord has shined upon me. I'm not going to be Miguel in my speech. I'm not going to be negative in my talk. I'm not going to be a complainer. I'm not going to be known as someone who's always looking at the worst of the circumstances. Instead, when I see the mountain, I'm going to say God can move that mountain. I'm not going to be a person of defeat. I'm not going to be a person of loss or lack. I'm going to be a person of victory, of of, of great things, of things that are noble, pure, holy, and true. I'm not going to let complaining consume my spirit. I'm not going to let complaining be in my life. I'm going to be a person of victory, a person of winning, a person that when I walk into the room i elevate the level of expectation for god to do something great we are no longer slaves we are sons and daughters so i'm not going to walk around downcast my soul where do i look to my help comes from the lord no more complaining in traffic no more complaining at crabtree mall no more complaining I know, I was there this week. I was at the Apple store this week trying to fix my kid's phone. Oh, that was after me trying to fix it on YouTube University. That was after me taking it to the provider store, to the Sprint store. Then I had to go to the Apple store, and then I had to sit at the Apple store for hours. I had an opportunity to complain, or I had an opportunity just to pray a little bit more. And praise God that I had a kid who could have a phone. Some of you complain about things that you prayed for. God, give me a church that's changing lives. I want to be a part of such a good move of God. When you got here, you said, this, this was an answer to many of your prayers, but now you're complaining about things that you used to ask God about. It's amazing. The same people that voted me in to be the pastor of this church when we merged are the people that complain about it. I'm like, what in the world? You told me I was the, we were the miracle sent from heaven. Why are you mad now? Rejoice. Because I'm the gift from God to you. You ain't got no other option. I ain't going nowhere. I know. You saw Miguel for a second. You got mad. All right, I got to hurry. Uh, discontentment will steal your joy. It's funny how you could be so full of joy, so proud of your kids, so thankful for your, your, your life, and then you jump on Instagram, and in a moment, you're like comparing yourself, and you're discontent. 
You can have it all going. You could have everything that you've ever prayed for, but the moment you start comparing yourself to someone else, everything in your life that matters, everything in your life that God has done, it begins to be diminished. And that is an attack of the enemy. Discontentment and comparison will take away your joy so fast. I'll get on Instagram sometimes. I'll be like, man, how come their church is so full? How come he's so good at preaching? And what it does is it takes away the value of what God did right here, right now. It says in Philippians 4, again, I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I came to let you know today that being content with what God has given you will restore the joy of your salvation, and it will make sure that you are full of joy. Stop comparing yourself to other people. You are seeing them at their best, and you know you at your worst. So you're taking you at your worst, comparing them at their best. You're looking at your behind-the-scenes footage, and you're comparing it to their feature-length film. They've edited that down. They've photoshopped that. They cropped that down. You're not seeing the real version of them, but you've seen the real version of you. So that when you start to compare and contrast your life, it looks like you don't have it all together, and they do. But you're not seeing the whole picture. I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. Contentment is a sign of trust. When you're content with everything God has given you, it means you trust God. When you're not content, it means you don't trust God. Oh, that's way better, way better preaching. The richest person is not the one who has the most, but the one who needs the least. I've met people who are poor in money, but they are rich in spirit because they don't need it. Mm. I have Jesus, so I have everything I need. This is why Paul says again in Philippians 4, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The richest person is not the one who has the most, but the one who needs the least. The last thing that will kill your joy is quitting. John, you could come. Giving up too soon. Leaving too soon out of that relationship and Giving up on what God is doing here at this church too soon is always, always will steal your joy. Quitting will always steal your joy. It says in Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. See, some of you have never got to the harvest of righteousness because you've quit too soon every time God wants to take you through a process. And it has taken your joy away because you, are, you just have this, uh, this basic spiritual condition where you can't finish what God has called you to start. And because of that, you never, you never see the fullness of joy. You, you never see God fulfill life's ultimate objective for your spiritual discipline because you're always going from here to here. The average American spends seven months in a church. Then they go to another one. Seven months. You want to know why you don't have the harvest of righteousness? You want to know why you don't have the joy of the Lord? It's because you quit too soon. 
as New Year's resolutions start to surface during this season, don't quit. Don't quit on your marriage. I know it's tough. Don't quit on your marriage. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit on your kids. Keep praying for them. Quit quitting will 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 remove the joy out of your life. This is why it says in the book of Hebrews, it says, for the joy set before him. What did he do? He endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So what brings Jesus joy? Endurance. Not quitting. He went all the way through to the cross because he knew that that would bring him great joy. That the, the sufferings were momentary, but the sacrifice, the sacrifice was momentary, but the significance was eternal. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I'm not telling you that everything's going to be perfect. I'm not ever telling you everything's going to be lollipops and roses and, and, and clouds and, 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 and landing softly every time. You might have to fall hard. But for the joy set before him, there's joy on the other side of this journey. There's joy on the other. Don't quit right now. There's joy on the other side. You want real joy? Don't quit. Ask someone who's lived a long time, who's followed God and never walked away. They got joy. Why? Because they didn't quit. Sometimes joy just comes from staying in the fight. Sometimes you just find the joy from not giving up too soon. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We got some endurance. We got an endurance marathon on our hands with the For the Future campaign. We got to dig deep for some joy. Pastor, you're asking a lot. I am. But it's got, it's got a joy on the other side when, when we're not burdened through the, by the mortgage. It's got joy on the other side when we're able to give even more money away to missions and outreach organizations. It's got joy on the other side when we're not spending money on deferred maintenance and instead we can use it for ministry. It's got joy on the other side when we're, when we're able to, to provide space that's excellent and quality for our children. It's got joy on the other side. So today, at both of our locations, we're bringing our first and best gift for our For the Future campaign. Why? Because it is more blessed to give than to receive. God loves a cheerful. Don't give if you're not going if you don't want to find joy in it today. Joy comes from not quitting. Don't quit. Don't quit. This is a 24-month campaign. It's a long time. Don't quit. It's a 24-month commitment that will leave a lifetime of legacy. It will leave a lifetime of legacy. I want to celebrate, first of all, your faithfulness. Our church on an annual basis, we, you give, collectively we give together about $1.3 million. To God be the glory. That was not the case some years ago. I can remember sitting in meetings and figuring out how we're going to pay the public school rent when we first started. So to God be the glory. To God be the glory. 
We've had 32% of people join us for this project, okay? So just know that there's still a lot of people that maybe have not committed yet, and I'm going to give you a chance to do that today. And so if you'll find one of those commitment cards in the seat around you, if you haven't committed yet, if you have already committed, I'm going to ask you to find an envelope. Even if you are giving online today, I'm going to ask you to find an envelope. We've been on this journey to raise $2 million, and there's... We already have $8 million raised, to God be the glory. Like, we, we, it's already in. We, we have a $8 million project, and what we're trying to do is to close the gap because of the purchase of the building and the consolidation of, uh, the, not the consolidation, the elimination of the debt will bring us a, a, to a $2 million gap. And so, because of your generosity, I am blown away. I'm blown away. On a, on a, on a, remember, on an annual basis, we do about $1.3 million in giving, regular givers. That's regular givers. And only 32% of people have joined us for the For the Future campaign. So if, you're, if you haven't joined us yet, I want to encourage you, at least do something so that you can be a part of this great move that God has. It will bring you great joy when we cut that ribbon and you can say, I helped. I helped change the trajectory of this ministry. So the total amount pledged to God be the glory, is $1,532,678. of you have generated. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Give God some praise. Come on, let's thank him for his faithfulness for just a moment. God, we worship you. We thank you for your faithfulness. At both of our locations right now, would you give God some praise? Thank you, Lord. So together, along with the sale of the school, we have pledged and committed to $7,532,678. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory, church. This is what happens. If this is what happens when 32% sacrifice. Imagine what would happen if 50% sacrifice. Imagine what would happen if half of you decided to give. We'd be well over our goal. I believe that we can bridge this small gap. I mean, the gap, look how, look how much is left on our little digital thermometer. You, you remember the thermometer growing up in the church, you know? It, look, I mean, we, we are, look how close we are. We are so close. And I believe over the next 24 months, as people begin to join our church and as people begin to, uh, as, as you see a bulldozer out there pushing some dirt around, come on, somebody. You'd be like, oh, I want to help pay for that bulldozer. I'm going to give even more. I want to encourage you. Step into it. Step into this with us. It will not last forever. And I'm going to shut up about it after today, okay? You won't hear about it uh, from the pulpit. Uh, for for quite some time, I might six months is what Pastor Ed said. They said we've gone heavy, we've broken their arms. Okay, I'm just letting you know where we stand. This is the last time. Think about that. Last time we're paying for the past. Next time I ask you for money, we're paying for the future. So, I believe that there's also a good portion of. 
people in this room that maybe could help us bridge that gap with commitments or with offerings today. And so if you haven't committed, if you haven't pledged, if you haven't given, I want to encourage you today. Even if you're giving online, I want you to grab one of these envelopes. If you uh, are looking for a commitment card, there should be one on the seat around you. Go ahead and take some time to fill that out. If you're giving online, just write it somewhere that you're giving online. Praise God. Is he a good God? Is he faithful to you? Let me show you the chart of gifts real quick just so you know where we stand. We're looking for you to land on somewhere on this list. I don't know where you're praying through what God has given you. Remember, it's our goal. Our ultimate goal is 100% participation. We only have 32% participation. Imagine that. So pick a number. Pray about it. Ask the Lord. If you haven't committed yet, commit. I believe we'll, I believe we'll, we'll bridge that gap. And I, I can't... I can't go into detail because nothing has been signed, but things are moving and they will begin to move rather quickly. Just so you're aware, we will be, you will see a bulldozer out there very, very soon. In case you're wondering what you're giving to today at both of our locations, they'll show you some of the pictures of the building. We're building this with zero debt. Come on, somebody. With no debt, you can go to the next one. There will be an outdoor amphitheater. You've already seen some of these, but I just wanted to show you. To God be the glory for all that he has done. Two-story coffee coffee house, cafe, beautiful outdoor space for beautiful weather like there was yesterday. To God be the glory for what he's going to do. Could you imagine being able to walk in there and like step on the artificial turf because we're not putting in real grass because we don't want to cut it. And it's like, <laughs> could, could you imagine standing on that artificial turf and saying, this is my square foot? This is my square foot. I had a friend who used to sell uh, square inches of the beach that he lived on online. You could like gift away. You know, like sometimes you can name a star after somebody or buy it. He used to sell square foots of the, uh, and he would dig the sand out and give people square, square foots of the beach. Imagine what you're going to be able to say we accomplished together over the next 24 months. That gap is so small. I'm not even scared. I'm not even scared because I believe that God's going to draw people in. We're going to get creative with, if, if, we, if we need to get creative, we're going to get creative, you know. If we need to, to extend uh, the timeline on some of the equipment that we need to purchase, and we'll do that. But one thing's for sure is we're going to do our very best to bridge that gap over the next 24 months. And I thank you for that. So if you're giving a regular tithe and offering today, you can also prepare that. I want you to do both today. I want everyone to participate. So if you're like, I don't even care about this church. I don't even want to be here right now. Just put an empty envelope in one of these boxes. I just want everyone to participate. There's something God will speak to you in this moment. Next to the giving boxes are um, little jars of some of the earth from the front. I would encourage you, if you don't have one of those, to go ahead and grab it. And... Uh, You'll be able to just take that as a memory, as a token. Our children, the children's ministry today is participating in this as well. Um, they have little jars that they're bringing. It'd be a shame to see some second grader out give you, ma'am, sir. Sorry, that's Miguel talking, but let's, let's, let's give big.
today. I'm going to ask my wife to join me on the stage. Isn't she amazing? Aren't you grateful for the first lady of this house? Praise be to God. Praise be to God. God's going to lift the, the spirit of lack that's over your household in Jesus' name. Why don't you go ahead and fill this envelope out? Even if you're giving online, we'd love to know what the amount is. Whenever you're prepared, I just want you to hold it up. I want to make sure everyone's holding something up, even if you're going to fake it. You can always give online at givetofocus.com if you're looking to give from your mobile phone. You can do that. Together, we're going to see God do some incredible things. Thank you, Lord. Would you pray for us as we step into this moment? I'm so grateful for our church. I'm so grateful for the people that fill these seats here and at our Apex location. I'm so grateful for all those that tune in online and call this their church home. God, I'm so grateful because each and every one of them represent a sign of your faithfulness to my life and to my husband's life. I'm so grateful because they are the gift that you have given to us. I'm so grateful for the church that you are building, that you are establishing. And God, I thank you in advance for the many more souls that will be won for your kingdom through this campaign and through the future facilities that are to come for here at East Raleigh and there at Apex and Chapel Hill and Durham and Garner and Clayton and Windell and Zebulon and Holly Springs and Fuquay, wherever the Lord leads us, we will go. And I'm so grateful. I thank you in advance for all that you are going to accomplish in and through the work of these people sitting in these seats today, God. I thank you that each one of them have become family to me. I thank you, God, for their hearts to love you and to serve you and to honor you with their first fruits, with their gifts that are meant to be used for your glory. And God, today we give ourselves over to you saying, God, you do whatever you desire to do. Let us step out of the way of what you desire to do in and through us today, God. If this was the amount that you set before us, God, we will be faithful to fulfill it. We will remain steadfast in the promise, oh God, that you are going to provide and fulfill every need. Even when we step out in great faith, God, we know that you can do even greater things even when it doesn't make sense God you are faithful to see us through time and time again God and today we give you everything that we have we surrender all expectations to you we come before you with pure hearts and pure motives desiring nothing less than to bring you glory with our gifts today just as the wise men came traveled from afar to bestow gifts upon our Savior today God that is exactly what we want to do and we humble ourselves before you have your way have your way may you multiply these gifts today beyond our wildest imagination God multiply these gifts not only in our church but in our individual lives God you are a multiplying God and you are able to do so much more than we could ever ask, think, hope, or imagine. And we come before you. And 
May you be glorified in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet at both of our locations? I'm going to ask our staff to position themselves there. As you bring your gifts today, just know that we love you so much. And we are so grateful for you. We're going to worship through our giving today. As you come to give, we're going to worship. So would you come now and bring your gifts? Thanks again for joining us. And thank you to those who give generously to make this ministry possible. You can click the link in our description to give now or visit www.givetofocus.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, and hey, while you're at it, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Tag us at My Focus Church. We'd love to hear how God is speaking to you.